We didn't write down a plan at the end of 2020 and say, all right, here's what we're going to do in 2021. Mm -hmm. But we had an openness to say, Lord, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? How can we use these resources to serve you? And um, we didn't plan it, but I think we've all been surprised to see what God's done in 2021. Happy New Year on the ground with Samaritan's Purse listeners. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and this is a podcast that takes you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. It's so hard to believe that it's 2022. I know you probably feel this way too. It sounds strange to say it, but like every new year, I know I enjoy a good, fresh start to make goals and plans both personally and professionally. And so we're working on some incredible stories for you to hear in the coming months. But before we move on, we want to look back and thank God for the ways that He moved within the ministry in 2021. In this episode, we'll be sharing some unheard miracle stories from our work in some of the most remote corners of the world. We talk a lot here on the podcast about how we make plans as people, but God often directs and moves us in ways that we didn't see coming. Dave Phillips, a leader in our international projects department, is going to take us on a journey around the world. And so as we end the year, you know, there's been a lot that's happened this past year. And so we just want to look back both at what God's done, uh, but also, you know, how Samaritan's Purse has responded and what he's allowed us to do. So can you just even tell us what Samaritan's Purse, how we're kind of broken down into regions and maybe, yeah, how, what that breakdown looks like from Samaritan's Purse logistically, first yeah. of all. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've we divided the world into six regions, mm -hmm. which is where our country offices are. So we have about 20 country offices mm -hmm. and six regional directors that oversee each one of those regions. So we have West Africa, we have Southern Africa, East Africa, Asia, the Middle East, and Latin America. And so each one of those teams has a unit here at headquarters in Boone that supports the country team and the offices around the world. And then, of course, we have our disaster response teams, which are mobile. They can go anywhere the disaster is, here, even here in the United States, if necessary. So that's how we break out our responsibilities geographically. So yeah. let's maybe go through the regions. What did, uh, what did you see the ministry do? And I know some were preventative or proactive responses, but a lot was reactive, you know, yeah. things that we didn't see coming. COVID, obviously, we knew was here, but let's start with the emergency field hospital. What was it like doing it in the United States yeah. in January, actually very close to the international headquarters? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, you know, starting 2021, uh, it, there was so much uncertainty mm -hmm. because we'd come out of the COVID, you know, that first months of the pandemic, and it was really uncertain about where, what was going to happen and where we were going to be. And immediately in January, we were presented with this surge here in the United States, which was hitting right close to home. And we got requests from the hospital just down the mountain here at uh, Caldwell in this little town called Lenore mm -hmm. in you know Western North Carolina, close to home, asking us for help. And it was kind of shocking to all of us that it was so close to home, but it was also close to everybody's heart. Like we wanted to help. These are people in our own community, you know, folks that we know who are suffering and even dying from COVID. And we have a way to help them and we need to help. And so even though it didn't look like maybe we had anticipated, mm -hmm. it's it's a, like a lot of things in Samaritan's Purse, God brings us an opportunity. And it's saying yes to that opportunity. And so we did that and we drove 30 minutes away down to Lenore and set up the emergency field hospital. And, and, and that was to start the year out right here in our backyard. Mm -hmm. um, every 
dart I've ever been on, the challenges are completely different. And they're different here because we're in the U.S. But what happens is, is the people that are working together to do this, they are in a spirit of unity. Um, and we all know we're working towards a common goal. So people just don't have the limitations that they put on themselves in their normal um, situation and setting. They just let go of all that and they say, I'm here to serve the Lord. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, was, I remember we, when we did the, the closing ceremony, uh, it was sort of mid-February, it was cold and the team had been working long hours and all of the staff came together and there was one of the guys that was uh, run, helping around the hospital. He was the sort of the director of emergency uh, care at the hospital there. And he described uh, them being, before Samaritan's Purse deployed, being totally overwhelmed by the numbers. You know, they had people in the ER, they had people in the ICU, they had no beds left, and the more cases were coming. And he described stopping and, and praying. And just and he said this in the in public in the at the closing ceremony, just crying out to God and saying, "Please help us. Like, what are we going to do? We don't know what to do." And he said he was reminded of Jehoshaphat, and just saying, "Lord, we don't know what to do, but we look to you." And he said the next day, Samaritan's Purse name came up, and then we were deployed and helping them within the week. And so he just kind of described that as like his own request to God. And then Samaritan's Purse somehow became like an answer, uh, answer to his prayer. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was amazing because you don't know who's praying and you don't know what the needs are. You can only just do what's laid out in front of you and try to respond the best that you can and love people in small ways. Mm-hmm. And for that guy, we were God's intervention in Lenore. We were God's response mm-hmm. to his prayer, which is amazing to think about, wow, our little efforts could be God's action in history to help the people of Lenore. And I think that's what happened. No, that's awesome. I know you think of so often going to people that don't know the Lord and they say, why are you here? And that gives us the opportunity to share the gospel. But there are believers that we are an answer to prayer. God mm-hmm. allows Samaritan's Purse to be an answer to prayer. And I do, I love that scripture. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, you know. And so what a great testimony. Um, so let's move to Latin America. Can you maybe just share where are we there? Um, and maybe look back at, yeah, some unforeseen things that you responded to and then just some projects that are just ongoing that blew you away. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I started my time with Samaritan Person Haiti. Mm-hmm. And so Haiti has, you know, it's not Latin America, but it's the Caribbean, so it's a part of our region. And so mm-hmm. that whole region has been a big part of my heart. And the two big, um, I don't know, say problem children <laughs> of Latin America are Haiti and Venezuela. Like these are places where there's massive humanitarian need and big uh, movements of people and a lot of crisis going on. And we're on the front lines of, of both of those. Mm-hmm. And Haiti in particular has had um, one of maybe the worst years in its, in its history as a nation. And that's saying a lot because there's been a lot of pain uh, in Haiti. Um, this year they had an assassination of the head of state, which assassinations of a president or head of state is very unusual. I mean, it's a very very traumatic event for the country. It represents so much turmoil under the surface and a a, a violent assassination of a head of state happened in Haiti this year. Um, At the same, in the same month, within within about a month, there was an earthquake uh, in in the Southern peninsula of the country, uh, just outside of Lakai. People were killed, a lot of destruction in the country. And so in that sort of sequence of events with the assassination and with the, with the earthquake, 
we had the team there. Of course, we have the Greta Home and Academy where we have, we're helping the kids that are there, but we have had a presence in Haiti for over 10 years uh, since the earthquake in 2010. So the relationships we have with the people are really deep. Uh, and our country director down there, Pierre, uh, he responded and the team responded immediately. Uh, the country really uh, is facing great challenges. Uh, even before the earthquake, we were dealing with uh, significant uh, political uh, turbulences, uh, political challenges. Uh, then came the earthquake on August the 14th, uh, complicating the matters uh, and security issues. Uh, SP truly has been a blessing. Uh, immediately after the earthquake, uh, SP set a DCA uh, with uh, a mobile a field hospital. It was truly a blessing. I remember it was Saturday morning and we were starting to get these messages coming in on our phones with pictures of all these buildings falling down and people running through the streets with the aftermath of the earthquake. And within about 72 hours, we had a full team on the ground with the DC-8 flying in, uh, the emergency field hospital, and then all the plastic, the water purification. And this was actually the first time we've been able to deploy our new water purifiers. Mm -hmm. So we have an entire new capacity uh, with our water purification systems that are we can load them on our DC-8s, on the DC-8, and get them down into almost any place that we can land the DC-8 quickly. And the Haiti was the first place we were able to, to deploy those two units. The second thing, the water, everything got messed up. Nobody could find water to drink. And so we were on the ground, we had the emergency field hospital set up, and we were able to meet a lot of needs quickly. But we'd go to, you want to do yeah, Venezuela? Yeah, let's talk about Venezuela. I know we've talked to our Columbia office quite a bit, you know, on what they're doing there. And I know things have been restricted because of COVID, but ministry has continued. Yeah, mm -hmm. talk to us about that. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the stuff that's happening in, in Colombia and with the Venezuelans, I think is, is some of the most uh, really dramatic things that are happening in Samaritan's Purse work around the world. And the reason is, is because you have a total meltdown in Venezuela. Uh, and there is a sea of people fleeing that country because they can't afford to eat. So even if there's food on the shelves because of hyperinflation, you can't, you can't buy anything. There's nothing to eat. And so you, I just see this, this ocean of humans trying to find food, trying to find safety, trying to get out of that desperate situation. And as soon as they come across the border, the first people that they meet is the Samaritan's Purse team. And so we have these shelters set up along the, uh, along the route and we're able to meet them and help them in Jesus' name and, and trying to do that in really tangible ways. Uh, and so there's a, a story that, um, of, of a girl that showed up um, at the shelter in La Donuana. Uh, which is just along the border. And the team identified her right away because this, this is an unaccompanied minor. You know, this is a child that is not with their, their parents or adults, and uh, a parents, or, parents or an adult. And they found out that she was five months pregnant. And uh, they, they, they um, said, we'll call her Maria because they want to protect her identity. So Maria shows up and she had left Venezuela and had actually been separated from her mom on the way. 
And that's not uncommon, actually, because parents will try to leave with their kids together, but the journey is so difficult and dangerous that it can often get separated uh, from their parents. And sometimes, actually, because of the desperation in, in the economic situation, parents will leave their kids with a grandparent or an aunt, and then they'll go and try to call the kids later, and so the kids are traveling by themselves across the international border. And it's, so it's just a very dangerous situation. And we're trying to help these, these kids that are separated from their families. And so Marie in particular, she showed up, she has a little, she has her little dog and she can't find her mom. And she's 15 and five months pregnant. And so the team started asking her questions. They found the name of her mom and they looked through our, our records because we keep pretty good records. And they found that her mom had been there two days earlier. And so they started tracking the route that normally people take and they were calling the other shelters and calling the other organizations and they were doing this like detective mission mm -hmm. to try to find this girl's mom. And so they found, oh, she was here uh, just yesterday. And then they, they found the place where her mom was the same day and were able to have a phone conversation between Maria and her mom. Mm -hmm. And we have a specialized program for unaccompanied kids. So there's a place where they can sleep if, if they have no place to stay, mm -hmm. which is not normal for all the migrants. But if you're an unaccompanied minor, we want to help that. The next day, we organized transport and we're able to reunite her uh, with her mom. Um, but the team is doing it enthusiastically and uh, it's really an incredible opportunity, not only to meet people's physical needs, but to meet them where they're at and show them that, you know, God is still with them. God won't forget them. Uh, they still can put their hope and faith in Jesus Christ and he will always take care of them. And so when I think about like the sea of humanity, you know, those stories are in that sea, you know, and, and the team, that wasn't like some, uh, you know, huge thing that they did, but for that person, it was life-changing, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to help that girl find her mom. Because mm -hmm. the odds of her finding her. On her own, they don't have cell phones. There's no way to communicate, mm -hmm. uh, but we are able to use the resources that we have to mm -hmm. help her in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love doing this. You know, you're giving us a, a big overview, but I do want to come down and come to those small, because so many of those small stories, and they're not small in their lives, uh, but there's so many of those happening on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to try to convey is that, yes, we're helping the masses, but Jesus, just like he went after the one, you know, yeah. he left the 99 to go after the one, you know, that is what we do. We see these people like Jesus does, you know, they are valued, they are they are loved, they are pursued. Um, and so to be able to, to help them in such a mighty way. Um, so let's move on to Africa. And I know there's there's multiple regions there, so this will be a— um, but maybe what have you seen the Lord? There were a couple issues that took major focus that were unexpected, but mm -hmm. maybe what else did you see? Or I don't know. How do you want to break that one down? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Africa is such a, a huge place and so diverse. Mm -hmm. You know, there's parts of, the, parts of Africa that are boiling right now and uh, we haven't tipped over into total instability, but for individual communities that are in the middle of a war, a civil war or coups, this is this is major problem uh, that we're seeing. So there's a lot of instability going on across the continent. Um, in terms of Samaritan's Purse, we started this year um, getting back into Sudan, and this is Sudan's an important place for us as a ministry. Uh, Franklin's history there. Now it's two countries, Sudan and South Sudan, but our history is deep. It's, it's just an amazing thing that we can be a part of a community that has less than 0.1% Christians and to serve them on a daily basis in Jesus' name with clean water, with uh, medical services. So in that country that also had a coup, 
uh, in the midst of all that turmoil, we're able to be there and, and have a presence with people who need physical help and spiritual help uh, in Sudan. And then right across the border, you've got a civil war outbreak in Ethiopia. So you have this entire uh, country that's being engulfed in violence uh, right now. And we're able to be on the f- forefront of that. And earlier this year, we actually were able to send the DC-8 right into uh, that region, into the Tigray region, which is the first of its kind, kind of a flight, international flight that landed in the middle of, a, of that region. Our team responded with four flights of the DC-8 and a DART team in early 2021. Um, and a huge effort and response from our national staff that are there. And that really kicked off um, SP becoming kind of the main responder in that in that area. They don't allow that kind of thing to happen. And uh, this is another, you know, one of our uh, values is walking in bold faith. And so we launched an airplane without landing permissions full of nutritional commodities for hungry kids and uh, I don't know if you know any airplane pilots, but they don't exactly like to take off without landing permissions mm-hmm. for where they're going. And uh, we kind of, uh, we created a, uh, certainly a, a very precise decision point for the government of Ethiopia, and they, they supported it. Samaritan's Purse was one of the first ones that landed in, in Mekele, uh, the capital of the region, and started providing food assistance, nutrition assistance for children that are under five, uh, women that are pregnant and breastfeeding. Um, And now we are uh, adding on to that a shelter uh, program that provides um, transitional temporary shelter to displaced communities inside Tigray. They supported the delivery of humanitarian services that region. Uh, so it's amazing to see what God can do uh, when you step out in bold faith. Um, South Sudan, you know, South Sudan is a very important place for us. And uh, one of my favorite programs, which is the Cleflet program. Mm-hmm. And I love it because it's so powerful to see people's lives tangibly transformed. Uh, a couple of months back, Beth Thompson and her, her team did the campaign there. And there was a, a little girl, uh, we'll call her Nyala, and she's from a rural area in South Sudan. She's five years old. Mm-hmm. And when she had the surgery uh, to, to fix her lip, um, they said she was so traumatized because of her background. Because, you know, they, they, they're really, it's ta- so taboo and there's so much abuse for kids that have this, this defect. Um, she wouldn't even open her eyes after the surgery. She was so scared. She was so frightened. She was just completely shut down. And so the team tried to help her, tried to encourage and tried to make something, you know, but it was, she was just totally traumatized. So this week, our mobile medical team was back in her village. And they said she came out and was just joyful and playing and laughing and interacting with them. And they said they were just shocked at the complete transformation over like a one or two month period uh, with this little five-year-old girl because she had been able to get this surgery that totally transformed her life. The verse that I felt like God gave me when we went to South Sudan this year that I shared with the team was uh, Psalm 46, 8. And it said, come and see, come and see mm-hmm. what the Lord has done. And I just, I feel completely humbled um, because uh, it truly is, is come and see what the Lord has done. It's not what, what our team has done or what Samaritan's Purse has done. It's really mm-hmm. how the Lord has just like taken like maybe a willingness to explore it mm-hmm. and just he's provided. And 
we want to see individual lives, you know, touched in Jesus' name. And so I think a little Niala and, and our opportunity to interact with, with her and help try to change her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just actually talking to Beth. We have an episode that just came out. There's just been so much hardships. Yeah, Africa, I mean, all around the world, but drought, you know, we talked to mm-hmm. Kenya, um, Uganda, strict lockdowns. I mean, there's just been so many hardships on top of hardships. So it's just the trauma on top of trauma which can be discouraging. And I know you guys as a team, it, it must be discouraging. And you hurt and you ache for these people. Uh, you kind of live in two worlds. Yeah, and especially having lived in Haiti, you've lived all over. You ache, your heart breaks for those that are broken. Uh, but what have been some signs of faithfulness? You know, mm-hmm. you, and you just told a, a wonderful story, but maybe can you, yeah, tell us where you've seen God's hand. You've seen His faithfulness. Um, you've seen, you know, what man meant for evil, God can use for good, you know, yeah. for His people according to His purposes. So, can you give us some maybe just highlights and just yeah. some unexpected things that God God did? Yeah. Because of your bold faith and willing to go into the darkness. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, Chrissy, it's, it's a really important question because the places that God has called us to work as a ministry are the ditches mm-hmm. of life. And so these are the hard cases. Uh, you know, our, our calling as Samaritan's Purse is to go to the hard place and do the hard thing. But when it comes to these hard places in the world, I think it, it has to at some point go beyond just the technical ideas of, okay, well, how are we gonna clean water and what kind of agriculture program are we gonna do? And we really have to go to faith and say, all right, God, we trust you. You've called us to love this country. And in your time, your work will be manifest. And I think we see it in individual people's lives. That never makes the headlines. You know, it doesn't make the, you know, the cover of, uh, of the Wall Street Journal, but individual people's lives are being changed. And um, I was talking to um, our team in Kenya and there's uh, Phineas is one of our program managers, a man of God. And he just, he loves the Lord and his work is very technically competent, but he's always doing ministry. And so there was a story about Phineas um, and he was buying rock from this guy named John, who was a rock crusher in rural Kenya. So if you imagine his job is to take a big rock and smash it with a hammer until it becomes a little rock and sell it. And he does this every day. And the thing about John in particular was, is he had been in an accident and lost his leg. And he had tried to get uh, some compensation legally and it didn't work. And he was just very angry at life. And so he almost went to become a rock crusher because he was mad at God, mad at life. Mm -hmm. And he was just crushing rock. And we're buying this rock from him to make sand dams, which provide clean, safe drinking water to people in rural Kenya. And so Phineas was trying to minister to this guy, but he was very angry and he wasn't like receptive. And Mm -hmm. so um, Phineas at one one day in this situation was driving near John's rock quarry and there was a roadblock and he couldn't get through to the other side. And so he, he rolled down the window and asked the boy outside the window, he said, hey, do you know how to get through the other side? And so the boy actually helps him, jumps in the car and drives the other side. And Phineas gets him to the other side and then gives him a ride home. But Phineas on the way witnesses this kid and leads him to the Lord and gives him a Bible and starts discipling him. And, and so he's staying in touch with him. So that happened, okay? So now a little bit later, John uh, is supposed to the rock crusher is supposed to get some money from Phineas for these rocks, and the payment doesn't go through. So John loses it and gets so angry at Phineas and says, hey, "You know, I hate Phineas. He doesn't pay me." And so Phineas goes to his house and give to make the payment. And John's son is the guy that Phineas had led to the Lord and was discipling. 
And when John saw who it was that had led his son to the Lord, he said, you know, my son's a totally different person. His life has changed since he's been reading his Bible. And I want what my son has found in the Lord. And so uh, Phineas leads, leads John to, to Christ right there in this situation, which may not have ever had a, had a breakthrough. And, you know, the thing about those guys, neither of them are beneficiaries, but our staff are looking for little ways, small ways to love people. And Phineas did that faithfully, and God used his small little gestures to do something he could have never imagined. So I think there's always unintended uh, things or unforeseen things that God can do, and they're almost always small. <laughs> they almost always come from us just being obedient and, and just doing the next right thing. But I think what we're called to do is we're called to go into the middle of that pain and just love people. And if we can do that, we got to surrender the results to God. And uh, he does amazing things, I think, when we, when we surrender those outcomes to him. That story was such a great reminder of how God was faithful in both big and small moments in 2021. Next, I asked Dave how Samaritan's Purse was responding in West Africa. Can you tell us what we're doing in Western Africa? Yeah. Because I think, like you said, Ethiopia has taken so much of the focus in South Sudan. So what, what are mm-hmm. we doing there? And what yeah. are you seeing God God used Samaritan's Purse to do. Mm. Yeah, I, West Africa is one of the most exciting uh, portfolios mm. in terms of our entire ministry. Um, and, and the reason is, is because we're working in these uh, limited access places uh, like Niger, mm-hmm. uh, where it's very hard to, uh, to work there. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed to see how those teams are getting into these rural uh, poverty-stricken villages out in the middle of uh, you know the bush, mm-hmm. and they're rebuilding churches that have been burnt down. Uh, they're providing nutrition supplies to kids that are malnourished, and they're really serving people. I think in a really tangible way mm-hmm. uh, there in West Africa. And then you drop just down to the south of that, and you've got Liberia, a country we've been in for years. Huge history there. We fought Ebola in in, in Liberia. Uh, we've done huge amount of ministry there, including with Elwa Hospital. Like we've helped build a hospital in the country. Uh, and the team there is getting a, a recharge with Daniel Ruiz, who's my friend, who's now a country director. Mm-hmm. And he and his family have 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 been working on a comprehensive look at all the program we're doing, countrying, and saying, okay, how can we advance God's kingdom here? At, at the core. The, the need is for people to hear about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't change, you know, no matter where you are or what the physical need is. Um, I, you know, it has become cliche to some, I know, but as Kenny, you know, likes to say, the, the quality of our work is the platform of our witness. And uh, maybe sometimes to a fault, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I really resonate with that. And I've just seen, you know, no matter where we go, um, the the quality of the work that we do and the way that we go in to meet people's physical needs uh, with compassion. We do it because of Jesus in us and we want to give uh, salvation, you know, the gospel to, to people who need to hear. The, the Democratic Republic of the Congo is a huge country smack in the middle uh, of Africa. Like it takes up the, you know, kind of the whole belly of Africa is, mm-hmm. is, the, is the DRC. Uh, and we've had that team has been working in the East and they have done food programming and nutrition programming and water 
for years they've been serving that population. Mm -hmm. And they're not in war, but there's a lot of uh, armed actors. Mm -hmm. And these armed actors kind of move back and forth in the country, and you've got a lot of violence and fighting going on there, and it's kind of isolated. Um, it's not like a you know a country on an ocean, or you know you don't have, mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. very unstable. Mm -hmm. um, and they have, for the last few years, been struggling with Ebola, and Ebola kind of flared back up again. Uh, this year in the DRC. And the team is able to maintain their presence and serve in the midst of a lot of uncertainty as well as this very, very dangerous uh, Ebola outbreak that's happening there. Uh, and over top of that, of course, the, the COVID stuff as well. So that team has been faithful. I mean, they have been faithful to serve the DRC and I'm really excited to see what God's gonna do 2021 and beyond. Mm -hmm. So you, you said instability was one of the, the common unifying themes in Africa. I know we moved to the Middle East, which is pretty similar. Mm -hmm. um, so talk to us about, you know, what Samaritan's First does there. I know we have, what, three country offices there, mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of partners and other involvement. So yeah. maybe, yeah, let's look back at this year. I mean, obviously there were some things that we intended on. There were many that we didn't unforeseen. Um, we'll talk about Afghanistan too, but maybe just talk to us about what we're doing there, what you're seeing um, across that region. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned um, Afghanistan and that that certainly has been uh, a factor globally. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's hit the entire globe. It's on every, it was on everybody's news feed, especially a few months back. But all that human massive exodus of the country is still going on. And that's actually hitting some of our country offices. And of course it's dangerous. And of course there's a lot of pain, but pain is never wasted with God. And so we're praying for our brothers and sisters who have had to flee Afghanistan. We're praying for those who haven't met the, the Lord yet, who are stuck in all these random places around the world. Um, and we really trust that God's got a plan uh, in all this and somehow uh, there's gonna be a way that we can serve. Mm -hmm. So I think of um, all the places in the world where we're working, that there's like an active civil war and two of them are in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So we're working in, in uh, Ethiopia, that's civil war, but Yemen and Syria have the same situation. Mm -hmm. And so when there's that kind of an environment, it just creates much more security risk. And one of the things I'm so grateful for of our security department here mm -hmm. is they keep us safe, um, but they understand our mission, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because we have this conversation over and over again. Well, um, if we were only thinking about safety, none of us would leave our hometowns. You know, we just stay home and never go out. But we want to stay safe, but our mission is to go love people in Jesus's name. The Middle East is a highly unstable place. Uh, there's volatility everywhere. And there's talk of, of civil war and breakouts of violence and things like that. So, uh, our teams are in three countries that are very unstable as well, Iraq, Syria, and Yemen. Like our teams are very much integrated into these neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. They're driving soft-skinned vehicles. They're trying to blend in with the population as much as possible. Uh, the great thing is we've got all of our leadership, all of our uh, country directors, field director in Syria, country director in Yemen, country director in Iraq, all speak the local languages. So there's, that helps uh, with us trying to blend in and be part of the community. And I think there's safety in, in that as well. Mm -hmm. But um, we really feel this sense of like we operate with God's protection. Like he's, 
he's the one who we've got a great security department, mm -hmm. but God is ultimately the one who's got to direct our steps and, and has to go before us. And in some places like in Yemen, it's just our ability to be there mm -hmm. that, that makes a big difference. Like mm -hmm. just physically being there and loving on people that's, that's almost the mission right there is to physically be there because it's so hard. There's so little resource and there's so little access in, into the country. Uh, and it's a very similar situation in Syria. And then of course the team uh, in Iraq is doing a great job helping to rebuild even after the ISIS issues over the years and helping people with their livelihood. So it's an amazing program going on in mm -hmm. Iraq. Mm -hmm. So then we moved to Asia, which yes. I know this year has been probably quieter than you'd like because of the yeah. lockdowns, but... Talk to us about our offices there, what you know, where we are and what what you've seen God do. Yeah. Asia has been one of the most difficult places to work. Uh, not because of civil war or because of major, you know, humanitarian crisis or coups, even though Myanmar has had its coups, um, but because of the COVID lockdowns. Mm -hmm. And so you have uh, places like Vietnam where if you arrive in country, uh, you have to quarantine for three weeks. Uh, and your visa is only valid for four weeks. And then it takes a month to renew your visa after you get out of quarantine. So there's a logical problem here. Like, what does this even mean? <laughs> you know, so the shutdowns of COVID shutdowns have been the story uh, in Asia this year. What's amazing is, is that our teams have found ways to continue serving people in the midst of those lockdowns. Mm -hmm. The challenge of totally being shut down, not being able to physically leave their own uh, apartments or their own rooms and being able to still interact with people in ways that really are helping them deal with their co the COVID crisis as well as the ongoing issues, things like safe migration, uh, water issues, agriculture issues, livelihood kind of issues. And they've really adapted in a meaningful way to serve beneficiaries and to do that in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I feel like COVID, you know, you went into it. Nope, I mean, we didn't know how long this would linger, but you knew it'd be an issue. So what maybe surprised you in that region? Or, or can you give any stories or um, testimonies of just, yeah, ministry that came out of this hardship? Uh, when, when I think back on um, on this year and you have this, uh, this double impact and maybe even it's a trifecta mm -hmm. in Myanmar mm -hmm. where you have a coup, uh, you have COVID, uh, and then you have the economic impacts mm -hmm. of those things. And so it's sort of like the population has just been, you know, punched three times in a row. Mm -hmm. um, and then the the lockdowns have really sort of forced our team to leave the country because you they, the, the, the Q situation and the COVID situation. Yeah. I, I think Myanmar might be the most restricted place in the world right now where we, where we work in terms of movement, in terms of access and in programming. Um, it's not like the violence of a place like Ethiopia where you have open civil war, but in terms of not being able to do anything, it's probably one of the hardest. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the midst of all that, they're finding ways to serve beneficiaries. So whether that's through the publishing of materials and having discussions about programming online or even phone calls or things like that to be able to maintain a presence and to be able to continue to, to serve people and love them and maintain those relationships in a, in a place where the easiest thing to do would be just to leave, mm -hmm. just to say, okay, well, we can't make it happen. And we're having to be creative in a way that we never thought we would need to be. As I think and pray about that team, it's one of the hardest things and one of the most encouraging things because mm -hmm. uh, of the 
the the faith and passion and diligence of that team there. So amidst all the the lockdowns and challenges, we've seen um, God uh, provide doorways, opportunities to do new things. So uh, the country offices are Myanmar, uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, and the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, we have amazing partners across uh, across the region in Asia and countries where it's hard for Samaritan's Purse to have access to, mm-hmm. uh, places where people are working in slums. We're doing a lot of feeding. Uh, food programming has become a big issue in in uh, because of the mm-hmm. economic shutdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'll have people doing food packages and delivering uh, food to people that are shut into their homes, either elderly or vulnerable people. Um, and so it's it's really um, the adaption to that through both partners in places we can't get to, and then the teams being able to do the best they can with the limited access they have is I think the really it's the beautiful part of the story um, mm-hmm. that's hard to sometimes highlight because it's all the bad news mm-hmm. that we see all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we always are dependent on the Lord. You know, we don't know what tomorrow holds, and it's. But I think this, these past two years, especially, do you feel like has just showed us we're not in control. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this false reality, or think we are. But watching this past year, how has your the staff and your teams, you know, grown in their dependence on the Lord, and maybe mm-hmm. how have you seen, you know, Lord. Uh, and as you mentioned, that I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. Like, incline my heart towards you. Let me. How have you even seen him answer um, yeah. or guide and direct you guys and sustain you uh, going into this next year? Yeah. So, as a team, we talk about that in terms of what are we surrendering to God? Okay. So, as a ministry, we have resources, we have people, we have funds, we have airplanes, we have logistics department, we have a warehouse of stuff. Down in uh, in Wilkesboro, I, I like to think of the EFH as like the sleeping giant. Mm-hmm. You know, you can wake up this giant and he goes and attacks COVID somewhere mm-hmm. in the world. And you know, we have all these amazing things. Mm-hmm. COVID and the year and all the other factors that we've talked about today mm-hmm. have sort of made it so you can't just mm-hmm. go. Uh, and so that demands a level of prayer and a level of surrender that I think that we have uh, come face to face with. Mm-hmm. As we think about, okay, we're gonna help all of these Afghani, uh, try to help all these people from Afghanistan who need help. Mm-hmm. Lord, how are we gonna do that? Mm-hmm. We need your wisdom. Okay, we need to be able to help the people of Myanmar. We need to keep helping the people in Sudan in the midst of a coup and the banking system being shut down. How can we help in Ethiopia in the midst of a civil war? Mm-hmm. These are solutions that require deep prayer and wisdom and God's intervention in ways that we we don't have a, le- a lever we can just turn and we see the results on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an emphasis for us on prayer and on surrendering the outcome to God uh, that has been refreshed in a lot of our hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm grateful for it in many ways uh, because this is a, we've done a lot. Mm-hmm. This is year we've done so much, probably more than we any of us could anticipated, mm-hmm. but none of it was in our plan. Like we didn't write down a plan at the end of 2020 and say, all right, here's what we're gonna do in 2021. Mm-hmm. But we had an openness to say, Lord, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? How can we use these resources to serve you? Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't plan it, but I think we've all been surprised to see what God's done in mm-hmm. 2021. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know these stories are just incredible, and I love sharing how God has worked in and through Samaritan's Purse. And so I encourage you to share this episode with someone. Uh, Share how God is working and moving in Samaritan's Purse. And we just thank you again for joining us. And as you can see in this episode, the Lord has entrusted Samaritan's Purse with 
an abundance of resources and and really talented and wise people. And as great as the resources and the people are, we don't put our hope in that. We put our hope and trust in the Lord. And I think you could see from each of the staff, um, the humble heart of all of our leadership. Um, truly, every staff member and volunteer with Samaritan's Purse relies and hopes and trusts in the Lord um, and not in the world. And I love Psalm 27 that says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And that is what we do in Samaritan's Purse. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. If you go over to our Instagram, we'll, we'll show you some pictures and, and scenes from throughout the past year. And we're also sharing scriptures that our team is praying for the podcast in 2022. So you can find us at On the Ground Samaritan's Purse. Thank you so much for listening, supporting, and praying alongside us as we enter this new year. One goal for me personally is reading through the Bible. I'm just reminded how God's Word truly revives my soul. Um, I'm not dependent. I don't want to be dependent on my circumstances or temporary fixes of the world. I want to be anchored and hoping in the word of the Lord. Um, I love Psalm 19, 7 through 8 that says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And so I just want to encourage you, get in God's Word. His law is perfect. It truly revives the soul and gives us joy. And um, I just want to thank you again for joining us. And I, I hope that you'll continue as we take you to the front lines and around the world in 2022. God bless you.